Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 108. We are discussing the American Express on the PJ Tour and the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PJ Tour Preview at Golf Betting System, and with me we have Golf Betting Systems European Tour expert Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How are you this fine morning? We're fighting through it. People build walls, Paul. You've got to smash them down. <laughs> You've got to keep moving forward. That's what I always say to my old boy. Yeah. And when keep, I say old boy, I mean my son. Keep but, fighting uh, the good fight, Steve. You've got to keep fighting the good fight, haven't you? Indeed. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Do not hesitate to come along and have a look at the fantastic previews on there, all of our tournament statistics... We've got the predictor models. There is so much information on our website. It's unbelievable. Naturally, we are available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Paul's available at Golf Betting on Twitter. I'm available at Bamford Golf. This podcast is available on, listen to this, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify Audio Boom, iHeartRadio, and now we've placed it on Sprecher. Is it Spreaker or Sprecher? I'll have to have a look into that one. Yes. But as you know, as you as, as listeners know, regular listeners know, I'm not a great guy on pronunciation. <laughs> Particularly South African golfers. So I, I say Sprecher, Paul. You say Spreaker. Yeah. That's, that's it's, kind of uh, how it goes. Yeah. You, you, if you're looking for it, I'm sure you'll find it one way or the other. Now, we had our highest download figures of any podcast we've done for about six months last week, Paul. Very nice. And not one of our jolly listeners left us a Apple Podcast stroke iTunes review. Well, even after you nailed the winner the week before. Yeah. What that didn't happen do, last eh? week, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, well, yeah. So, listeners... Please take time to rate and review us on our, on iTunes. We have got some fantastic rank ratings on there. I think in various countries are either four point eight or five for our ranking ratings. So it's imperative because the uh, the the rating and the reviews just really do help visibility on iTunes, Stroke, Apple Podcasts, whatever way you call it. So um, please, one of you, two of you, even five of you, leave us a rating and review on iTunes stroke Apple podcast this week and we will read it out at the start of next week's show. Next week, of course, being the return of Tiger Woods, I believe, at Torrey Pines. So we're going to have huge listener numbers next week on the podcast, Mm. undoubtedly. Yeah. It's almost like, I mean, I'd say for you, the European Tour starts this week and I think for the PGA Tour, the, the real... A lot of people think the PGA Tour actually starts at Torrey Pines. Yeah, yeah, certainly starts to ramp up and quickly starts to uh, to move into these tasty tournaments as we uh, get closer and closer to the uh, to the Masters, which well, what are we three months away now? Less than three months. It'll soon come back and uh, be on our doorsteps. So. What did you think of last week? Yeah, I. Apart from the result in South Africa, I enjoyed the event. Um, I'd have enjoyed it even more if uh, Johannes Veerman had been able to uh, 
continue his blistering start that he got got off to on Thursday, first round leader. I I'll have to go back and have a look and see how many of my tips ended up being first round leader last year and then uh, failed to even make the uh, the each way places in the uh, in the end. But yeah, he, he started off with a, a lovely nine under round um, and then just trod water for the rest of it. Actually, it was the uh, the middle of the second round where. He was in the lead. He had a two-shot lead and then made back-to-back -back bogeys on the par five on the Firethorn course on the back nine. And um, from there, he just really didn't make any progress, which is a shame because he played so, so well. On Getting a nosebleed on the Friday. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a good he's a good prospect, Vim, and I will keep an eye on him. But uh, he's clearly not quite the finished article just yet but uh, I'm not sure you need to be um, on the European tour you just need to be able to hold it together when you get a real sniff of an opportunity but, I mean the, the, the real story last week was Brandon Grace's putter absolutely on fire on Sunday he could not miss anything 20 feet 30 feet 15 feet whatever it was he was presented with he just absolutely could not miss Louis Oosthausen wow bogey free final round holding one couldn't convert. Can't do it when you've got when you've got someone who's dropping bombs from absolutely everywhere, like Grace was. Then uh, it's got to be a bit disheartening. But uh, he's not the yeah. if you look, you know, one of the one of the things that I'm starting to really concentrate on, and one of the things I mean, the debate about value in prices and value on players. I mean that that goes that's going goes on every single. You know, weak in terms of golf betting, it goes on, you know, round and round in circles. You know, value for one punter is, you know, not value for other punters, and blah 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 blah. So it's yeah. such a personal thing. But win equity, and this is one of the things I would love to be able to pull together for the, for the golf betting system website. Something which basically takes the amount of tournaments and then splits out by percentages. You know, people's each way payout percentage as a player the win percentage as a player. Mm. I think people would find that kind of those statistics very, very interesting in terms of getting the balance of a player that wins and can convert contending performances into into victories as opposed to guys that just constantly chop chop in each way payouts. Or, or just outside the each way payouts. And, oh, yeah. you know, when you're looking at a raw form guide and an eighth or a twelfth or Fifteenth and yeah, a string yeah, of yeah. decent results can look really good, but you know a, a Charles Elder third, you know, not yeah. not not, not oh, how many eights and nines, you know, we won't even talk about five places each way. I caught the odds, the standard yeah. industry terms. But how many times has Charles Howe the third finished eighth, ninth, yeah. tenth? Another one, Denny McCarthy loves an eighth or ninth place finished as Denny. And of clearly, you know, the bookmakers absolutely slaughter their odds. Knowing all of this, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. But uh, going back to my original Louis Oosthuizen, for the yeah. quality of player, his converting percentage, it can't be great. No, no, no. There's With Brandon a lot Grace, of, yeah. when he gets in convert in in that territory, his conversion percentage must be fantastic. Because yeah. when he's in contention, he always seems to get the job done. Well, he certainly stepped up a gear on Sunday, particularly with the putter. Absolutely red hot. And uh, yeah, you're right. You know, there's a lot of second and third place finishes with Louis. Um, whereas Grace, when he's in decent nick, can get over the line. There's lots of players like that, isn't there? You know, another one who, who popped up on the PGA Tour 
last week is Ted Potter Jr. And Ted Potter's yeah. always available at mad long prices because he misses an absolute stack of cuts. But when he finds some form, and it can often be completely out of the blue, he can win. It always he, he, is. I don't know about often. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's usually, usually off the back of six consecutive missed cuts. But then, then he, when he wins at 300 or 500 to one, as you said, win equity, well, wow, the, the return equity is just bananas. So, yeah, there's there's, there's certainly a game to be played and, and chasing the uh, the short prices on a yeah. Louis Eustace and just doesn't you know, excite, yeah. does it? I'll, I'll give you the choice of two bets. I'll, I'll give you Justin Thomas at 8-1 to one or Louis Oosthausen to win a European Tour event at 8-1. to one. Who are you going to take? Yeah, well, you know, Justin Thomas's uh, win ratio... One uh, well, career win ratio and recent win ratio is just poles apart, isn't it? Completely Patrick Patrick Reed. I know he didn't convert the other week, but Patrick Reed again usually gets in there, gets the job done. Yeah, and it's, it's a similar story to, to likes of a Matt Wallace when he's playing well. You know, you, you know that he he's got that ability to convert an opportunity, whereas whereas plenty of others fail to do it. Matt Fitzpatrick this week, Matt. You know how many. Decent, strong opportunities did Fitzpatrick have last year? You know, I forget how many times yep. he finished second, but second, mm, yeah, yeah, he's sitting there, he's sitting there at a relatively short price, twenty to one or thereabouts this week. And, you know, t- twice the price. I, I might have been quite interested in that, but you're never going to get it. You're never going to get that price on a Matt Fitzpatrick because he gets into those positions, just well, hasn't been converting. You could be back backing Tommy Fleetwood at nine to one, though, Paul. Oh, sorry, eight to one with one firm. <laughs> if yeah. you're talking about win equity. Um, Sony Open. Um, I had four tips. Only um, I had one kind of semi-contender in Brendan Todd. Um, I think what screwed me totally was was the wind. Effectively, I had four tips. Three of them were in completely the wrong side of the draw, because the early lates they played at one. I think it was one forty three point eight for. On, as an average across the first two rounds. And the late earlies were 140.7. A three-stroke average um, by, a draw bias, effectively. Yeah, it was the, it was the, it was the early lates who got the, uh, you got got the positive, wasn't it? Yeah, it was three strokes. It was a no, no, no. It was, it was, it was, I think it was the late earlies. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> whichever side your your yeah. guys were uh, were the wrong side. It was side. The, it, it was the it was the it was the PMers in round one. But right. it played easier on Thursday afternoon and easier on Friday morning. Mm. And I had three in the wrong side of the draw. Um, yeah. Brendan Todd didn't play too badly actually, considering he was in a group with Justin Thomas and Matt Kuchar. He was the only one of those three to make the cut. Yeah. What chance would you have had of that yeah, yeah. at the start of the tournament? Yeah. I think Todd's playing okay, isn't he? Um, I think that winning streak might have... Or he, I think he might be slightly on the downward spiral, Todd. But I, I bore, kind of borne that in mind. Um, it came down to a straight fight in the end, didn't it, between Brandon's, Brendan Steele, who is a bit of a West Coast monster, has mm. to be said, who had shown... He'd had the worst season of his life in 2019, but you yeah, could just see there was some, there was something coming, bubbling. He wasn't missing cuts all of a sudden. He was kind of 43rd, 50-something. But I hadn't seen anything for me to back him. Yeah. And Cameron Smith, who'd clearly had a reasonable end to last year, 
um, and also had a reasonable President's Cup. And if you think about it, the two winners in 2020 so far on the PGA Tour have both been played in the President's Cup. Yeah. But he was, was it still was two up with two to play? Two, two to play, yeah. yeah. Was it two two up with three to play? One or two? No, two up with two to play and then uh, and bogey par on the um, par on the par five, right from the, from, from the middle of the fairway. And uh, he, he hooked his, uh, his approach shot, didn't he? Way, way left. So on our Facebook group, there's someone that's clearly cost, been cost a lot of money by Brandon Steele's. <laughs> we get these conversations, uh, these quite a lot, don't we? You know, Brandon Steele's the biggest choker on the PGA Tour. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're sitting with a 250 to one ticket in your hand, and you've got a guy who's two up with two to play, Gutting then um, it's yeah, it's disappointing, and you can understand the uh, frustration of the punter who uh, who doesn't convert. Actually, I saw I saw a few tickets over the weekend, so clearly some some people had latched onto this West Coast form. Um, which, uh, which which was there. It was there for all to see. It's just uh, um, it's, his current form, as you say, it's just there was nothing there to really give you an indication he was uh, he was close to that kind of performance. No. He, he 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 isn't the best of putters on Bermuda. I mean, to be fair, the conditions played into his hands. To it, I mean, he's a great ball striker, isn't he? Still, and he he does he fires on the west coast. Um, so yeah. I, I did toy. I toyed very much with going going with him this week because eighty to one around a course he really likes this week is a disrespectful price, really. Mm. Um, yeah, he's he's one that might come and haunt me. Well, just and we have we have we've seen it before. Out. We've seen it before, haven't we? Guys that have lost playoffs. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Walker jumps to mind. Of course, the famous Kyle Stanley collapse. At Farmers Insurance, he then went to Phoenix the next week and won again at sixties or eighties. Yeah, does happen. Yeah, it can happen. Yeah, just about if if it's not a lot of kind of mental and physical stuffing out of him, or if it's kind of galvanised him and thinks, well, mm. you know, I'm, I was that close. Am I going to go and put it right this time? It's I had a one dig. Of, those dilemmas. of course, I had a dig into what he's done when he's come very close before. Um, you know, uh, fifty-four hold leaders. What he's done the outing after, and he's shown absolutely nothing. That's the reason I didn't. And he's, it's yeah. happened three times, I think, or four times. Just for my notes and for listeners' notes, I know people do take notes and they do make mental notes. I said last week about Sony Open about my rolling greens and regulation number. Yeah, it's it's year after year it has provided winners, and. Cameron Smith was 20th. I always list 20, the top 20. He was 20th last week yeah, in my rolling in greens. And, yeah, snuck in. He and Justin Thomas were the only two who were in both the greens in reg and putting average top 20s. So there you go. Good price as well, 50 to 1 on Smith. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah there was a few people on him. So congratulations if you managed to pluck out Cameron Smith and... Uh, Always nice to get off to a an early season winner of that kind of magnitude. Absolutely, as well, so. average yeah. average average winning price over the past six renewals at the Sony Open was forty nine to one, and he comes in at fifty to one. <laughs> there you the go. signs were there, Steve. All the signs yep. were there. That's one I, that I, I'll... I tell you. Statistically, someone who caught the eye in your event was Nick Taylor, who led oh, the man. field for for total driving accuracy and greens and regulation in old numbers. He has turned into an absolute 
ball-striking monster, Nick Taylor. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be something coming up over the next few weeks and months that could that could suit him nicely, I think. Yeah, his one win was at the Sanderson Farms 2015 or 16, apologies, but it's one of the two. Yeah. Um, Bermuda grass. So, yeah. You never know. It could, it could be this week at the Bob Hope Lottery. Right, let's <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Let's focus on the European Tour to start with this week. It's a huge tournament on the European Tour. It dwarfs uh, the American Express over in California this week. So, Paul, take it away. Let's talk uh, HSBC Abu Dhabi Championship. Yeah, the Abu Dhabi Championship. Start of our three-event desert swing that we've got over the next three weeks. So the Dubai Desert Classic next week and then the Megabucks Saudi International the week after where um, all and sundry are turning up um, to collect their attendance paychecks. Um, it's the first Rolex series of the uh, season as well, um, which means there's a massive $7 million prize fund up for grabs and also 7,000 race to Dubai points. So an early season chance for for players to get themselves off to a flyer in terms of uh, earnings, in terms of race to Dubai points, in terms of Rolex series points. Um, in what's going to be an important season with the... Um, We've got the Olympics as well as the uh, the Ryder Cup this year. So lots of motivational factors for players to really get themselves off to a decent start this year. And all of that means a decent field. 132 in the field, 15 of the world's top 50 are here this week. So a decent attendee list. Um, topped by Tommy Fleetwood, 10 to 1. Now in a field that contains the likes of Brooks Kepka and Patrick Cantlay, for Fleetwood to be marginal favourite is, uh, is a bit of a coup for him. Twice a winner here, as we know. Um, he won the Ned Bank, didn't he, at the back end of last year. Uh, second at the DP World Tour Championship as well. So there's that classic combination of, um, of good, well, very good, strong recent form and clearly a, a two-time winner on this track as well. So... Um, I'm not sure you can really argue that Tommy should be favourite. Um, just feels a, little, feels a little bit skinny to me, but um, say the V. Uh, Patrick Cantlay's making his debut here, ten to one. Actually, his favourite in some spots. So it's clearly there's uh, a little bit of disparity between the bookies as to who should actually hold favouritism. But uh, you can get ten to one about Cantlay and as well as Fleetwood. There's a little bit of eleven to one available about Brooks Kepka this week. Bit of a gamble, I think, if you fancy Kepka. Clearly the world number one. Hasn't played those since he withdrew from the CJ Cup at the back end of last year. Missed the President's Cup with his knee injury as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays. Um, 11 to one's the reward if you think he's going to get himself straight back into the uh, into the fold after what has been quite a lengthy Lengthy layoff. It was, it was quite some substantial work they had to do in the end, wasn't it? On his knee, Steve. I've, I've followed little bits of it. Mm. It must have. It, you know, clearly there's been a lot of rehab, and for him to yeah. actually pass on the President's Cup, I don't think it was yeah. like you and I knocking our kneecap and complaining about it for 24 hours. No, 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 absolutely. It's, it, it's not insubstantial. So it will be interesting to see how he gets on. Personally, it's a huge red mark. What it does mean, though, that in the future, if his results aren't great, that price on Kepka is going to start getting slightly longer each week. Yeah, yeah. yeah so at some point, you're going to get Kepka at a price that you really like. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Particularly as the big tournament starts to roll around. Will he be playing Saudi? Uh, 
think he was earmarked for Saudi. Yeah, there's there's a lot of big names who've, um, who've committed to it. So uh, it's got to be a cracking field, absolute cracking field. We'll go through it in a bit more detail next week because it should have firmed up um, yeah. by the time we get into. We'll Dubai. do that at the start of next week's show. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, further down the list, Louis Oosthuizen, sixteen to one. Um, clearly, a great opportunity last week, which which got snatched away from him from Brandon Grace's heroics on the greens. 16 to 1 for him to bounce back. Shane Lowry, 20 to 1 to defend. He was second in Hong Kong last week, wasn't he? So yeah. clearly got his season off to a good start. And uh, he often is that kind of second week player, Shane Lowry, once he's warmed up. And um, 20 to 1 if you fancy that he'll go out and defend this week. A little bit further down, Matt Fitzpatrick, 20 to 1, I mentioned at the top of the show. Bryson DeChambeau. Um, 22 to 1. Thomas Peters, 28. Brandon Grace, 28 to 1 to make it back to back wins. He's, he's done it before, Brandon Grace. You never quite know with that, uh, with that guy. 40 to 1 bar those players at the top end of the market. So um, beyond that, it does open out quite considerably. Have to um, say, Paul, I have to say, sorry for me interjecting, I do really like your lead bet here. Very, we'll get to that nice. in a second. Yeah, it, 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 it does look particularly tasty. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's some logic to it, but uh, mm. yeah, the, the the best best laid logic doesn't always work in golf betting. Mm. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, onto the track. It's the fifteenth successive year that we've hosted the uh, Abu Dhabi Ch- Golf Championships at the Abu Dhabi Golf Club itself. It's a Peter Harradine design, past seventy two. It's a long desert track, seven thousand five hundred eighty three yards, with usually speedy tiff dwarf Bermuda greens. Although there's been a lot of rain, it's been very very well. I've seen some of the pictures on on uh, Twitter of the course having been flooded in areas over the recent days. Um, and clearly it's going to play um, softer than it would ordinarily do in that neck of the woods. So 7,583 yards is going to play quite long this week, I suspect. And I'd be surprised if they can get the greens right up to the kind of speeds that they have done in the past. But uh, we shall see. It looks like it's going to dry out during the course of the four days, so we might find it gets firmer and faster as the tournament progresses. And traditionally, this has been quite a challenging track from tee to green. It does reward good ball strike, big good ball striking. Um, although it's scorable, sixteen under to twenty two under, the winning total from the last five years. So, and um, players who can get themselves onto the dance floors in the requisite numbers, get their proximity nice and close, and um, can certainly make birdies on these Bermuda greens, which are of decent quality. Now, I suspect they're going to be quite soft, as I say, so uh, a lot of the emphasis this week, I suspect, is going to be on proximity. Greens and regulation, make sure you maximise those opportunities to make birdie and eagle on the scoreable holes. Historically, let's go back through some of the winners then. Go back to 2010, uh, Martin Keimer won in 2010 at 14-1. Keimer defended a year later at 8-1. Then you've got some longer prices. Robert Rock, 2012, 150 to 1. Uh, Jamie Donaldson, 66 to 1 the year after. Pablo Larathabel, 125 to 1. Gary Stow in 2015. Broke everyone's heart, Gary Stow in uh, 2015 when uh, he beat Martin Keimer after he collapsed with that 10 shot lead. 150 to 1 for Gary Stow. Uh, then some shorter prices. T- uh, Ricky Fowler, 16 to 1. 
Couple of wins from Tommy Fleetwood, 60 to 1 in 2017, then 2018, he was 20 to 1. Then Shane Lowry last year, 60 to 1 was the reward if you backed Lowry before he went on to have his uh, career season. I mean, as I say, generally, it's a good tee to green practitioner who wins this. Look at Tommy Fleet with those two wins. He missed, this is an amazing stat, he missed just 15 greens out of 144 holes over a two-year period when he won those yeah. back-to-back events. This, this place always shouts to me, it's almost, it's very similar in the on the PGA Tour to what I always look at at Muirfield Village. It's a real cathedral of ball striking. Yeah. And, it, you know, that's just... It's Tommy Fleetwood, isn't it, on the on the European tour? Yeah, so, and yeah, it was. More, I, I, I see that. I see that. Very, I guess it was more surprised that his record up until those wins was was really quite poor. I think he'd won. Sorry, he'd, he'd missed four out of five cuts. I think before he won his first event, but clearly he got his head around it eventually. The flip side of that, and Larry, Larry when he plays well, can be a very good ball striker. But thirty seven point five percent driving accuracy last year on his way to winning. And it was the short game, particularly the putter last year, that got Lowry over the line. He was the, the second best putter on the week. So um, for all of the ball strikers that have graced the top of the leaderboard here, there clearly are other ways to get the job done, although I'd still err on the side of ball striking. And, and given the way the course was set up this week, I think it will be long total driving. I think you're, um, you're, you're going to have to hit an awful lot of greens to do well this particular week. Uh, looking at the, the current form of the winners, and this goes back to the very start of the tournament, actually, the very first event. Every single winner of this tournament, every single one, right. has had a top 10 finish in their last four starts. Right, okay. Every single one. Not often do you find a stat that is as precise without any outliers, mm-hmm. without any exceptions than that. Now, if you are as brutal as removing every single player in this field who hasn't had a top 10 in their last four starts, you can get rid of about 60% of the field this week before you even start. Okay. Um, if that stat is to persist for another season, um, always, <laughs> always a dangerous game to play if you're going to get that precise, but the stat's there to you, uh, to to, uh, to bear in mind um, for sure. And the course form of the winners is very mixed, although you've got the likes of Casey, Keimer and Fleetwood, as we've mentioned, who've all won multiple times here. But then you've got the likes of Lowry. He was fourth on debut, but then had missed three consecutive cuts on his next three appearances here before winning last year. Fleetwood, as I just alluded to a second ago, his form before his first win was miscut, miscut, 19th, miscut, yeah. miscut. Okay. And then he went and won. Uh, two consecutive events um, back to back. So, so inbound yeah. inbound form, yes. Course form, not necessarily. Yeah, that's kind of where I've I've put it from here because I don't think you need to have sparkling um, course form to, to 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 work here. And I think yeah, in this respect, in this particular event, I think current form trumps course form quite considerably and I've considered that as part of my part of my selection I've got four players this week um, and uh, that certainly um, holds true with my first player and if you're going back to 2013 short price players and this is when you're looking at the top of the market here, short price players have really struggled to convert here you've got the likes of McElroy, Spieth, Woods, DJ Rose, Kepka, all of them rating at 10 to 1 or shorter 
and every single player in that bracket tends to one or shorter. And there's been quite a few. I've listed them all in my preview. Every single one of them has failed to convert here since 2013. And that kind of does put me off um, the top three. I mean, you, you could make a, a very solid case for, for Tommy Fleetwood because clearly he does love the track and he's he was playing some cracking golf at the back end of last year. Um, Kepka, as we talked about, a bit of an unknown quantity and Cantlay's making his debut. It's um, difficult one to really get excited about the, the top three at the prices given the given the, the, the experience that we've had from the, uh, the short price players over the last few years. The other factor that I've looked at is those kind of players, or the players who've won the Rolex Series events since its inauguration. Mm. And you've got a lot of players who've won more than one Rolex Series. It clearly is it's appealing, or it's, it's bringing the best out of the, the cream of the European Tour players. So you've got John Rahm has won four, Fleetwood's won two, Noren's won two, Justin Rhodes has won two, Wiesberg has won two, Till Hatton's won two. The other player has won two Rolex Series events. Is Danny Willett, and Danny is my headline this week at forty to one. I think for Danny, he's, he's finally shifted that uh, that Masters hangover. I think he yeah. switched coaches, switched, long, switched long. caddy. Yeah, he's, he's he's moved up to another level and now. It's, and it's Ryder Cup year. It's Ryder Cup year, absolutely. And the focus, you know, these players are really going to get uh, get behind that. I think it's it's a massive motivation for these on guys. both on both sides of the uh, Atlantic. Yeah, absolutely, it's it's so, something that we should all consider um, over the next yep. uh, next few months. I don't think it can be out of our mindset when when looking at these players. And for Danny, I'm sure that's going to be a very big motivational factor for him. And going back, you know, 2016 Masters, and then after that, it was it was it was pretty blank for Danny, wasn't it? Until 2018, he got top tens in uh, the Italian Open, the Irish Open, the Turkish Airlines Open, won the DP World Tour Championship. They were all Rolex Series events. He clearly raised his game for that. Last year, won the BMW PGA Championship. His last start of the year was fifth when he was defending his title at the Earth Course. In his mind, clearly, he's focusing his preparation and honing his game and peaking for those bigger weeks. And this is one of those such weeks. And I think he's going to get his game all ready to, to have a proper assault on this Abu Dhabi Championship. Yeah. In terms of um, desert form, I just mentioned that the uh, earth course for the DP World Tour Championship, where he's a winner, he's also won the Dubai Desert Classic, which he won the year that he, uh, that he won the Masters. So there's good um, desert form there. He was top 10 here on debut. He got to grips with the test here from tee to green very, very strongly that week. He shot 63 back in 2014, which is one off the course record. So whilst his actual headline form for this event doesn't look great, I think there's enough... Um, ammunition in there. There's enough evidence to suggest that he can play the course nicely. And Danny's moved up to another level. This 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 last eighteen months or so, he's playing far far stronger golf. And um, I'm quite happy to take the leaders on here at a player who's four times the price of those market principles. So Danny Willett forty to one is my headline this week. I'm backing Willett up with someone at the same price, and that's Sergio Garcia at 40 to 1. I mean, life's good for Sergio, isn't it? He's got a second baby on the way. Um, celebrated his 40th birthday last week. And he's still, he's still got a bit about him, Sergio. He won the KLM Open at the back end of September. 
And for this milestone birthday he's just had, I think that may well galvanise him. The baby on the way, he's got a son on the way in April, which will spark all of the nappy factor type conversations when the Masters comes round, I'm sure. Um, he's got another another Ryder Cup to qualify for. Actually, he'll become um, a part of a very elite club to have played in the Ryder Cup in four different cent uh, four different decades, four different centuries, wow. four different decades. Should he qualify for this year? Incredible. So uh, it's, it's, it shows you the the breadth of his career today and mm. uh, being able to maintain that kind of level um, for such an extended period of his career. So. Um, I suspect that he'll want to qualify for that by rights. Clearly, he's, you know, he's been a show-in for Ryder Cups in the past, but so there's plenty of youngsters out there, plenty of youngsters out there who are very, very talented who will be trying to uh, to eat his lunch. So, um, like a lot of these um, you know, stalwarts of the uh, Ryder Cup in the past, they're going to have to earn their place this year, I think. So, uh, needs must. Time to time to get uh, moving, I think, for players yeah, of the yeah, likes yeah. of Sergio. Um, sixth of the earth course, sixth of the earth course at the back end last year. Um, I backed him that week, so we've got a, we've got a sliver of the each way money. But um, I think at forty to one, he's he's worth a chance this week. Um, he's won the Dubai Desert Classic. He's won the Qatar Masters. Decent uh, desert form. He's got another dozen or so top tens in the Middle East over the years. Six attempts here. He's never finished outside the top twenty in those six attempts. Couple of top tens. For me, if you look at the market, there's plenty of inexperienced players or maidens or players who very rarely win at the similar kind of price in that 40, 50 to 1 bracket. And um, there's not many more attractive propositions for me than, than Sergio Garcia at that kind of level. So, yeah, I'm quite happy to uh, to back Willie up with Sergio this week. And a couple of long shots to finish. First off, Andy Sullivan. Um, played well last week, Andy, um, for the most part. Anyway, he got into a tie for the lead after the first three holes at uh, Rand Park. Went birdie, birdie, birdie to kick off his Sunday. Looked like he was going to seriously contend and then um, just started to slip. He, he had a great chance to make birdie on the uh, par 5 fourth, which he didn't make. And then uh, the uh, the mistake started to come in there. He, he made double, double on the front nine took him right out of the equation and it's to his credit really he finished his final four holes at eight under to get himself back up to a tie for sixth I think his game's very very close Andy Sullivan I did uh, come close to tipping him last week and I think at a price of 100 to 1 given he was 33 35 to 1 last week for his price to have uh, trebled for the uh, for, uh, on the week and you know, for a guy who had a live chance after three holes of going on and sort of seriously contending in that tournament, um, I think that's the price that needs to be taken on. Um, going back to the back end of last year, he was second, well, in the middle of last year, he was second to John Rahm at the Irish Open, clearly at this Rolex series level, top 10s at Villa Moor, top 10 at the Earth course to finish the year. He putted well on the Bermuda Greens there at uh, the Earth course, the DP World Tour Championship. I think he was third for putting on the week. So um, clearly getting on with the kind of surface he'll be presented with this week here in Abu Dhabi. Never missed a cut here. He's led to the halfway point in 2016. Top 10s in Qatar, top 10s, three top 10s in the Dubai at the DP World, or the Dubai Desert Classic rather. Second to Rory McIlroy at the DP World Tour Championship back in 2015, where he, he pushed Rory all the way that week. So some good, strong desert form for 
Andy Sullivan at a tasty price of 100 to 1. And finally, um, a bit of a flyer, 200 to 1 at Yungun Wang, the South Korean, who had a poor, poor year last year, right up until the end of the season where he had some decent results results that eventually saved his bacon. He'd, uh, his exemption had run out, or was running out at the end of last year. So it, it was obviously a, a dawning realisation that he had to pull his finger out. And he got top 10s at the Dunhill Links. I think he was fifth, actually, at the Dunhill Links. Another top 10 at the Italian Open. He was sixth at Villa Mora, which was the final counting event for him to, uh, to save his card, which he duly did. And went to the Indonesian Masters after that on the Asian Tour, finished top 10 there. I think it was eighth overall that, that week. So um, clearly finished the season off in some good, strong form. And given the way that he'd been playing at the start of the year, that was, you know, it, it was in stark contrast to the results that we'd seen at the back end or the front front half of 2019. So clearly something percolated with Wang. And three, three wins on the tour so far. He's only 24, one of which was in uh, Qatar. So some good, strong desert form. And also 11th and 15th here from his first two attempts. So a bit of solid course form to go along with the fact that he's also a desert winner. Missed the cut last year, but that was when he was in this horrible stretch of um, form. I think he missed something like 22 out of 25 cuts. It was a horrific um, stretch of form for, for Wang. So he seems to have turned that round back to a course where he has um, performed really quite well in the past and... Uh, if he can push that on a little bit and reward us at um, an each-way place at 200 to 1, then I'll be a happy chappy this week. So that's it. That's my four. Just to recap then, Danny Willett, 40 to 1. Sergio Garcia, same price, 40 to 1. Andy Sullivan, 100 to 1. Young and Wang, 200 to 1. Anyone catch your eye on this event, Stu? Well, I said to you off mic... Brandon Grace has a habit of going bang bang with victories. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And I've I've been digging into it while whilst you've been um you've been talking. He twenty twelve in January he won the Joburg Open and then the week after won the Volvo Golf Masters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can say oh yeah okay relatively. Um, the, I think the Volvo Golf Champions was that was a that was a decent field, wasn't it? With the it been the, the um, it was a Kapalua type affair, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been the, um, the the their effective tournament, the Champions back in the day. That's right. And I know it was also played on his home course, uh, but 2012 as well, he won uh, on the Sunshine Tour, and then the week after did, flew yeah. flew to Scotland and won the Alfred Dunhill Links. Yep. And you can even move closer than that. If you look at um, his 2015 spell, he won the Qatar Masters in January, just uh, in the in the area. He finished 55th at the Dubai Desert Classic, and then he went back to South Africa and won there on the Sunshine Tour. So he, he does have a habit of um, not disappearing after victories. I mean, even mm. 2016, he won in Qatar in January and then won the Heritage in April. Um, I just I just thought at 28 to 1, and he's got a couple of top fives around here, there are worse bets. You know, 5th, 5th, 13th, 15th, and a 20th in nine outings around here. Yep. There isn't a flaw to the logic, I don't think, because he does um, have that habit, as you say, of of 
you know, maintaining that form for a second week. I, the only consideration for me, and I could be way off the mark, is that the South African Open was a big deal for him, and uh, you know, it was one that he'd wanted to win for a while. His putter was absolutely red hot, yeah. as I've said three or four times now, um, and it will need to be. You know, he will he'll need to raise his game again. He'll need to putt particularly well again to uh, to to win this week. Um, there is a there is a switch there, isn't there? Bent grass also to Bermuda grass. Yeah, there is. But he he can win on both surface. But yeah, yeah they, like everything, there's 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 pros and negatives. But Grace mm. grabbed me another, yeah. and you're talking about ball strikers, uh, and you're talking about players that um, have got real ball striking total driving ability to be able to you know navigate courses the one that really jumps out at me at a reasonably big price to a, to a, um to a maiden i grant you matthias swab yeah. yeah we've been seeing some incredibly low prices on swab haven't we um, and all of a sudden you're getting him at 45 to 1 and I yeah think- which is te- testament to the quality of the field but yeah it's Again, that's the kind of consideration I'm, I'm thinking. Well, do I go with someone like Schwab or someone like Garcia, who mm. you know has, has that winning um, history and the experience? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, there, there's certainly been a change in the guard over the last you know year, couple of years, isn't there? And on both tours, where a lot of these kind of fearless youngsters are coming through and winning events and winning yeah. big events as well. He's Schwab's had some chances, not quite got himself over the mm. line, so. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I could I could leave him. I think in this quality of field, but that doesn't mean that I don't think he can contend. And I don't. Yeah. You know, I think he, I think he's got to win him. It's it's one that will come. You know, at some point, relatively soon. Fourth yeah. at the Italian Open. That was a Rolex. Was that Rolex series this year? Uh, previous years, it has been. It's dropped off the uh, the list in the, the last season or so. Fourth at the WGC HSBC. And second at the Turkish Airlines Open before twentieth yep. at the DP World Tour Championship. He's a, he's an undoubted talent spot. Yeah, so yeah. that that's one I might back. Um, also at a silly silly price, and this will cost me money, but you've got to throw him in there. <laughs> for me, is someone that popped for some bizarre reason popped into my mind a couple of weeks ago. Um, Ross Fisher just seems to be finding something a little bit, and I can I can back him up to. Uh, 125 to 1, eight places. I think he was second here two years ago. Yeah, and he, I forget which event it was. He showed some really strong form for yeah, a ten, stretch. Tenth a while ago. Turkish Airlines, was it? Yeah, it was It was something. It was at the back end of last year. I'll have to, I'll have to look what I'm talking. But um, yes, he was. Um, he was right at it, the top of the leaderboard for, and then fell back, which he can do. But. Yeah, tenth in t- he shot sixty nine, sixty four, sixty eight. Then a final round seventy one when he got right. when he got busy. But yeah. you know, as we saw with um, Brandon Steele last week, when you haven't been in, when you've had a bad season, and all of a sudden you find yourself at the top of a leaderboard, it's very hard to convert. I could see um, Fisher coming back this year with a bit more vigor, and yeah. we know that he does play well over uh, on the Middle East swing, the golf swing. So yeah. I just have a speculative um, five pence each way. I think on Ross Fisher. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I don't think I can put you off there. Another one who was very, very close to me was Andrew Johnston, who mm. um, has just become a father as well. So he might have that nappy factor bounce this week. So um, he was one that I 
left off the list in the end. Um, but uh, yeah, again, uh, another one that I wouldn't wouldn't put anyone off back in if they fancy that it will go well this week. PGA Tour. We have the American Express. What's this American Express? New tournament? No, not a new tournament. But basically, they've added American Express to their uh, sponsor uh, schedule. Uh, a huge brand, clearly. And uh, they've come in to sponsor this event. I think, believe last year it was sponsorless. A lot of people That's right, yeah, know. It was, the de- it was just the desert, desert classic, was the it? Desert classic, wasn't it? Yeah. It's never a de- it's never a classic. This um, that's a complete <laughs> and utter. That, the that, they should they, they 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 should be taken to court on that <laughs> litigation. It's never a classic. This tournament, um, but yeah, American Express on board. But effectively, old punters like you and I know this as the Bob Hope Classic. Um, it's a very long-established tournament over in the United States um, where they played this for many, 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 many years. Um, and it's always been a pro-am. It's always been over a multi-course rotor. Um, it used to be played over five days and four courses. That got ridiculous in modern golf. So it's now a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday tournament played across three to- uh, three courses. Uh, the TPC Stadium course, which is a Pete Dye design, uh, quite apt with the great man passing away last week. We've also got a Jack Nicholas design in there, uh, the tournament course, and they also visit La Quinta Country Club. And uh, it always makes me titter when I'm revisiting this tournament every every year. Um, you always find that the tournament course and La Quinta Country Club are the second and easiest courses on the PGA Tour. Second yeah. easiest and easiest. It's just total birdie fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be abs- I'm going to say this up front. I'd be lying if I said to you I've got any idea about who's going to win this tournament. <laughs> and, I, and, and if anyone says anything different, they're lying as well. Because it's just all over the place. <laughs> Simple. 600 to 1 Adam Long won this at last year. Yeah, good luck with that. And then the year before, John Rahm was the 10 to 1 favourite. So, and you, the, the, the other point is, you know, oh yeah, but you know, is there a certain kind of player that wins this? Uh, no. Adam Long won this basically because he scrambled and putted like Lee Trevino in his prime. Uh, he was seventh for scrambling, first for putts per GIR, ninth for strokes game putting, but actually, um, you know, 41st for greens in regulation. Uh, he was 43rd in the strokes gained era for strokes gained approach. For, you know, he was also 40, listen to this, 46th for strokes gained tee to green. There aren't many tournaments on the PGA Tour when you see someone, 46 for strokes going tee to green, who then goes and wins the tournament. No. And this is this is another point for strokes gained um, individuals that are very focused on that, quite rightly. Don't forget, only two of the four rounds are recorded on strokes gained metrics. Mm. So we need to bear all of this with a pinch of salt, I think. It's just... It, I find it very, very difficult to get my head around exactly what we're looking for because any kind of game play and any kind of skill set 
kind of player can win this, in my opinion. Proof by, by Adam Long and Dry. I well, said yeah, to yeah. my I said to my wife, "Can you pick my two or three for this week's? Um, you've got more <laughs> chance." Just, just put the names on a dartboard and throw some random darts at him. It's a, it's a strange one. It's a strange, strange golf tournament. One thing I have noticed, and it's a bit of a downer on the basis that clearly um, we have to go quite early in the week for, with our tip uh, previews. But effectively, Adam Long, John Rahm, Hudson Swafford, Jason Duffner, the last three winners, uh, four winners around this course rotor. Um, Duffner played the tournament course. Hudson Swafford played La Quinta in round one. John Rahm played La Quinta. And Adam Long played tournament course. So anyone starting on the host course to this point has never won this tournament. Mm. And you can kind of get your head around this because, listen to this, Matt Kuchar, uh, sorry, Adam Long was uh, second uh, after day one last year. Rahm was first, Hudson Swafford was second, Jason Duffner was first. So if you've got, if you when you when you look at the leaderboard first thing uh, Friday morning and you find that your guys are down in seventy third, eighty first, and hundred and fifth, just don't bother looking at the leaderboard. Start researching the following week. <laughs> Start researching for Torrey Pines. Hmm. Yeah, you've just got to be on the pace. I mean, it's just a total and utter birdie fest, and yeah. really it comes down to who who can create the most chances and who has got the putter that can actually convert those chances. And even when you look at the angle of looking at good putters, they don't tend to win this either. It, um, Adam Long, in terms of my um, eight-week skill set um, window, was the second bottom in the field for putting when he won this last year. <laughs> so I think he ranked 148th of like 152 players. The other one, Mad. the other guys hadn't even played in eight weeks prior to that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you can't it's even not say you clamouring to, to yeah, play. You can't even say it's good putters because you know he clearly wasn't a good putter, and then he's the best putter on the planet for that particular week. Yeah, difficult, isn't it? I have found um, some kind of trends and 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 and, and positives that that have, that have led me down a certain path. If you take long out of the equation at that 600 to 1 price, um, there's definitely something in looking at total birdies. Players that so far this season and the previous season are in the very high echelons of total birdies. Um, there's something also in green, players that are um, strong in terms of their greens and regulation numbers. Uh, there's also something as well in terms of proximity. People that can, you know... Uh, over a long, over the long term, are excellent in terms of their um, proximity to hole, and that's kind of shaped where I'm at. Also, if you take long out of the equation, um, we've got John Rahm, who'd I think finished third at Kapalua. We've got Hudson Swafford that had been in contention at the Sony Open and then fell back to a twelfth place finish, and we had Jason Duffner that had got two top tens concurrently on the PGA Tour and had one in between at the Shark Shootout in Florida yeah. when he was buddied up with Branch Schnedeker. So he, he, you look at his form line, it was 9-1-9. So, you know, someone that's shown something top 12-like 
in one of their, or even in their most recent outing, is something that I've kind of latched onto. That's on the basis that, you know, let me have a quick look before I quote a number. That's on the basis that um, Martin Trainer doesn't win this week at 1,000 to 1. If we're going down the route of some kind of logic. I've come up with four. Winning scores around here tend to be between 20 under and 26 under. So if you like birdies and eagles, this is the week for you. It's a pro-am over the first... I'm trying to remember. I think it's a... Is it a pro-am for the whole length of the tournament? I think it's or the first three throw, days, isn't it? Yeah, or do they the throw the amateurs three. out after three days? Yeah, I've got a feeling it's the first three days and then it's just straight stroke play on the uh, on the final day. It's sluggishly boring to watch for that very reason because you can be looking at six, six and a half hour rounds. Yeah. Um, I'm selling it well, aren't I, really? <laughs> I, I, can, I can see why American Express have got involved, to be fair. Um, so spruce it up. As you can tell, Paul, it's not one of my favourite tournaments. (laughs) Um, Winning prices, though. This is interesting. I'd go as far as calling it intriguing. Adam Long at 600 to 1. John Rahm, 10 to 1 favourite. We've already quoted those two. Hudson Swafford was 66s. Jason Duffner was 40 to 1. And then we can go Bill Hass at 30s. Patrick Reed, 135 to 1 in 2014. That was his second PGA Tour event. Brian Gay at 80 to 1. Um, if you look at the averages over the past six renewals since we've gone to this new um, s- split season stra- structure, 146 to 1. If you look at the overall price across those 10 winners, 139 to 1. Five of the last 10 have been triple digit winners. So there's something to kind of pin to the yep. mast if you're looking for a bit of value if you're looking for some big uh, big prices this week this isn't a bad tournament to get stuck into is it let's be frank yeah it's often the way isn't it with these resort style birdie fests that uh, someone who just has an absolute red hot week with a putter can come through at a mad price as we've seen as, as you've just gone through with some of the numbers there quite possible top of the show we were talking about win equity um, I'm seeing Ricky Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Fowler at 9 to 1 now, John Rahm, when he won here at 10 to 1, came off of a couple of wins in his last three. Mm. One of them being the DP World Tour Championship on the European Tour, a huge tournament. Yep. Um, Ricky Fowler at 9 to 1. He's 12 to 1 with Ladbrokes. It's just, I, I wouldn't go anywhere near it personally. Um, Sung JM, 18 to 1. He's a tour maiden. It's, it's not for me. Paul Casey, we know my views on Paul Casey. Tony Finau, Kevin Kisner. I, I saw someone tweet um, last night. It, it, it's kind of a tournament where it's it's a there's a lot of non-winners at the top of the betting, guys yeah. that just don't win regularly enough to justify their price. Kevin Kisner's on a roll, but you look at Kevin Kisner; he's never done anything in the desert. Doesn't seem to like desert golf. Benny Ann, twenty-five to one, a tour maiden. Won once in his professional career, or once on the European Tour at Wentworth. Yeah, you know, yeah he's, got, he's got a little bit of, um, of desert form over in. The, he has. Uh, he plays well in Phoenix East. and places. Yeah, he's played well at yeah, Phoenix. Twenty-five as well. to one, though. Yeah, it's, it feels a bit skinny, doesn't it? The first one that I came to and had a serious, serious, serious long look at, and in the end took the plunge on was Scotty Scheffler. 
Now, this tournament has been won in the past by tournament players making their tour, their PGA Tour yearly debuts. Um, so he didn't play either in Kapalua or in uh, the Sony Open, but I'm not looking at that as a huge, huge negative. But one thing you do get with Scotty Scheffler is form. Um, he was fifth in his last PGA Tour outing at the RSM Classic. Yeah. And when you look... When I'm looking to back someone at this price point, with some of the statistical, you know, statistical views that I've had in the past and have worked in the past before you take Adam Long out of the equation or add him to the equation, Scotty Scheffler is bulletproof on all of the things that I, I look for statistically. He's absolutely bulletproof. He sits second for total birdies so far this year. 5th for birdie average, 12th for scoring average, 55th for proximity to hole. He's in the top 30 for greens in regulation. And the other thing with Scotty Scheffler is, my lord, he can shoot low scores. 8 under 62 at Old White TPC at the Greenbrier, 9 under at the Bermuda Championship, 7 under on his last outing at the Seaside uh, RSM Classic. And when he won his first tournament on the Corn Ferry last year, he shot 9 under 63 on the Sunday to win the Evans Scholars Invitational. So he has everything for me. The ability to be able to shoot very low scores and statistically he's all over it like a rash. Mm. So I thought 35 to 1 market best price, 8 places with Betfair Sportsbook was a very, very fair price for me. Um, on yep. Scotty Scheffler, and I know that a lot of the bookmakers are marking him lower than that thirty-five to one price. Damn. Most of them are pricing him up at twenty-eight. So a bit of value and some uh, some extended places as well for Scotty. Yeah, You've like then that. got a pack of players, Paul Francesco Molinari at forty to one, Abraham Answer at forty to one, Co- Coke Rag at forty to one. Horschel at forties, Cameron Champ at forties, and Matthew Wolf at forties. I think Matthew Wolf's going to be very popular this week. Local kind of guy from this area made his PGA Tour debut at the Phoenix Open. Um, clearly, already a PGA Tour winner, an absolute beast of an amateur. Um, played well last time out at Kapalua. Um, I just didn't back him. But I know that he's going to be very, very popular, Wolf. Um, my next stop-off point is Vaughn Taylor. Yep. <laughs> and I don't mind the 55-1 to 1 with Betfair again. All of my punts this week are eight places with Betfair, which at this tournament makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, but Taylor's just a streaky scorer, isn't he? I've got one and a half points on him. Streaky scorer... Fantastic desert record. And let's be frank, he's in some super form at the moment. Second at the um, Mayakoba Golf Classic. Tenth at the RSM Classic. And then last week, he shot 75 in round one. And I reckon 95% of players, 98% of players would have packed their bags and said, I've had enough of this Mm. and missed the cut. He he, but he's playing so well. He shoots sixty six, sixty six, sixty seven, to eventually finish twelfth. Yeah, yeah, it's good recovery. 
7th for proximity to hole so far this year, 28th for total birdies. And, you know, he, he's across the likes of TPC Scottsdale, Montreux, where he's won twice, the um, Reno Tahoe Open, or it's now the Barracuda, and also played very well here. He's had an 8th, he's had a 10th, he was 7th here last year. Uh, his last victory in 2016 came at 17 under where he beat Phil Mickelson at uh, the AT&T Pebble Peach Pro-Am. So, you know, Pro-Am's no issues. I think Vaughan Taylor at 55-1 to 1 is a very good punt this week. Then I took a stab on someone that I'd be absolutely amazed if you haven't backed this week. Carlos Ortiz. Yeah, I had a punt on him last week. You can see have, the you him, have you backed him this week? I haven't yet, no, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to your justification first, Steve. See where we go from there. I think you mentioned this last week about Ortiz. At the end of the day, I don't, I don't see Ortiz as a technical grinder, which is why I didn't back him last week. Carlos Ortiz, usually in a, in a golf course or at a tournament where it's 11, 12 under winning and you know people are top 10 in with six under par, he, he's normally at home by the time they get to Saturday afternoon. He's normally missed the cut. But the fact that he actually finished 55th, 53rd last week and ground, um, ground a decent finish out of that was actually a real huge plus point for me. He also made plenty of birdies last week. Which is something again that I. You look at uh, Swafford, you look at um, you look at Daphna, you also look at John Rahm. They'd all been towards the top of the field the week before, in terms of birdie or better conversion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Ortiz was still firing plenty of birdies last week, but actually, for me, he's an absolute low-scoring resort course monster. Twelfth at Trinity Forest. Um, you mentioned as well that when he came. Here from the web.com, he was very highly decorated. Yep. He's a talented lad, this guy. 12th at Trinity Forest, it, something seemed to get go for him, or something made sense for him, middle of last year. 12th at the Byron Nelson, 5th at the 3M Open, 4th at the Sanderson Farms, 4th at the Golf Club of Houston for the Houston Open. And then, of course, went to his homeland, Mexico. Big pressure, El Chameleon Golf Course. Finished second to Brendan Todd by a shot. And you look at most of those... You could look at the courses he plays well at. It's all birdie fests. He actually shot last year at this golf tournament 10 under 62 on the Friday at La Quinta. I'd probably put Ortiz as my nap, to be honest, this week. 13th for scoring average, 29th for birdie average, 22nd for strokes gained off the tee, so uh, strokes gained tee to green so far this season. And he's also in the top, uh, I think he's top 25, something like that, for total birdies so far this season. There is 125 to one out there if you're quick with someone like Bet365. But again, I took the eight places. 100 to one on Carlos Ortiz. Have I sold him to you? Yeah, I like it. I understand. I, I, I was quite fancy him last week, but it did, as you said, it played more technical than uh, than I'd kind of factored in last week. So, um, so yeah, this should be more up his alley. So, 60, yeah, like 66 to one with Unibet. He's one hundred and twenty-five to one right now. Six places each way with William Hill. Yep. 
there's a bit of disparity there. It's 40 to 1 with uh, one firm as well. So, yeah, there's... there's uh, 40 to 1? Yeah, with uh, SpreadX, I'm seeing. So, yes, there's clearly some... Someone there's disparity. been smoking something, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> On their way down the A1. Something horribly going wrong there, mate. 40 to 1. And then a golf tournament where triple digits are kind of, you know, they're, they're as in play as a, as a nine to one favourite. I had a good search around, and this guy really did just jump to my attention. I don't know if you're aware of him. Tom Hoagie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've backed him in the past. I, I've backed him on Bermuda Greens in the past, and I think that's, again, part of, yeah, part of the logic, isn't it? Point each way, 200 to 1 with Betfair, the eight places on Tom Hoagie. Plays well on Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass. These are Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass base greens with a little bit of Poa Trivialis as a bit of winter carpet on them. And again, I've looked at Hoagie and he reminds me quite, quite a lot of Hudson Swafford. You actually look at the golf courses where Hoagie performs well. They're all places where Swafford's done well in the past. Mm. Why a lie? Country Club, TPC Louisiana, Glen Abbey, uh, uh, Glen Abbey and Montreux. They're both Nicholas designs. Louisiana's a Pete Dye design. You know, Seaside for the RSM Classic. He pops up irregularly at these kind of places and gets each way payouts. Mm. And, you know, he was 12th last week. And again, he was very, very strong when it came to his birdie or better conversion. He was sixth in the field last week, or tied sixth, for birdie or better conversion last uh, at the Sony Open, alongside the likes of Sung Jae-im and also alongside players of the ilk of Corey Connors and Ryan Palmer. Now, I know that Sung Jae-im, Ryan Palmer and Corey Connors would be if they were in, I mean, Palmer and Connors aren't in this, but I reckon you'd be looking at 40 to 1 shots for this. Yeah. Sung Jae Im is clearly, Sung Jae Im is clearly sub 20 to 1. Tom Hoagie, who finished 12th, has some decent correlating course form. He's an absolute beast at Montreux, desert golfer. I think he's had uh, three top 10s there in the last mm. five outings. So he's not au fait with desert, uh, he, you know, it's not a case of. He doesn't like desert golf, and it's also that's the um, tournament where they play it on the modified Stableford system. Yeah. So it's yeah. literally it's just attack, <clears throat> attack, yeah. attack, that's, attack. Uh, there's like only one way to attack that tournament. You got it. Is to bogeys that bogeys don't matter. It's eagles and yeah. birdies, isn't it? Eagles yeah. and birdies. Um, he's he's finished. Um, he's finished tenth there. He's finished third. Uh, let me uncro- 10th in 2015, 4th in 2017, and 6th in 2019 at the Barracuda. So it's not as if he can't play attacking goal. Um, so yeah, Tom Hoagie, I thought 200 to 1, so a guy that finished 12th last week, that's a decent punt for me. So to recap, Tom Hoagie at 200s, all with Betfair Sportsbook on the eight places. Carlos Ortiz at 100 to 1. Vaughn Taylor at 55s. And one that I couldn't overlook at the uh, top end is Scotty Scheffler, thirty-five to one with Betfair Sportsbook. Who are you on, Paul? Very nice. Yeah. I've oh got well, a... well, we'll see when they all miss the cut. <laughs> yeah. We'll I've, I've followed some similar logic to, to where you've gone actually. I've got back three so far, but I think I 
going to have to back all season. Now this is the kind of tournament, yeah. But this is the kind of tournament you love, isn't it? Where sort of three-digit rags oh, can, yeah, really, yeah. Oh. can really get involved. Oh, the three I've backed are all three figures. Yeah. Uh, first up, Peter Malnati. Oh yeah, yeah. It was another one who finished twelfth last week. And mm. um, it's just showed some decent stuff actually, Malnati. Seventeenth. He's, been, at he's been improving, hasn't he, Malnati? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he led to the halfway point at Houston. He finished seventeenth in the end. Eighteenth uh, here last year, which was a big personal best for him. He's won on Bermuda, which was one of your mm. criteria from your um, from your preview as well. He won the Sanderson Farms. Yep. Um, a few years back. He loves a birdie fest, doesn't he, Malnati? And yep. 12th last week, I thought, was a pretty strong performance on what ten, what ended up being nothing like a birdie fest. Break it to me, because I haven't found him. What, what price is Peter Malnati? 200 to 1 for Malnati. Nice. Yeah. So, yes, he's in the team. Um, Cameron Davis, 140 to 1. Mm. Um, another, the Aussies are on fire at the moment, aren't they? Ormsby won last week. Cam Smith won last week. And perhaps there's another one to come here. Actually, he finished alongside Ormsby and ahead of Smith at the Aussie PGA. So if you were looking at horse racing form, you'd say that um, he's, he's right in the mix here. So for 100, 140 to one shot, I thought he was worth a pop. Ninth last week, yeah. um, he led, led at the halfway point after a 68-66 to open. 28th, at last, 28th here last year on debut and clearly in that. Lots of better Nick right now. So yeah, Cameron Davis uh, caught my attention at one forties, and the final one's Brian Stewart at one hundred and twenty-five to one. It's another one of these winners on Bermuda. He won the Zurich Classic, I think it was. Yeah, TPC Louisiana. We I mentioned that. That's a very correlating course. Yeah, it's yeah. A die design. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some some good correlation there. Fifty-third yeah. um, last week. So shoot, the rust off wasn't great, but um, again, it's going to be quite difference this week before that 10th at the RSM Classic um, he shot a 64 in the round 2 there 23rd at the Maya Cobra he shot a 64 in round 3 there 4th at the Shriners where he led at the halfway point um, 10th there in 2013 5th in 2014 there's a lot of um, combining stats and facts from Brian Stewart that I like for a 125 to one shot. So, so yeah, I back those three. I'm gonna have to back Carlos Ortiz as well and Tom Hoagie. Um, just to round off a, a five pronged three figure attack. Sounds like a uh, sounds like a winning strategy this week. So, yeah, go the long shots. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only I keep just staring at his name is is that Brendan Steele? Can he? Can he do one of the? Well, we'll find out, won't we? I mean, he loves this golf course, doesn't he? Still, yeah. He's a proper West Coast West Coast desert guy, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, and that's that's the stat. That's the fact that kind of stuck out most. If you went back and performed a post mortem on last week's contenders, it was the fact that he does love to play in this part of the part of the world. Um, just yeah, he had to take a leap of faith on his form, but uh, clearly the form was there in the end. And uh, eighty to one, your reward if you uh, think you'll carry on and do it again this week. Yeah, there'll be a plenty of takers. There's a it's starting to go blue on uh, on odds checker at the moment. So yeah. there's a there's a few out there who fancy will follow yeah. it up. So. 
If he'd have been cut to forty to one or fifty to one, yeah, but it's the price, isn't it? It's the mm. it's the it's the fact that there's there's that because he came from such a low base, he must have been I don't know what two hundred and fifty to one, three hundred, two hundred. I saw I saw yeah, I saw some tickets for two fifty, so yeah, in that kind of bracket. Yeah. So they can't slash him, you know, they can't take more than what sixty percent off something like that. Mm. So yeah, it still looks re, it still looks good at eighty to one, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Right, that's us, Paul. Indeed. Best of luck this week, Steve. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> Best of luck to you. I do, I do, I do like your top two in that. It does. They do make a lot of logical sense. Right, thank you uh, to you, Paul. Enjoy your uh, golf betting and your golf viewing this week. And uh, thank you to our listeners. We will, of course, be back next week for the Dubai Desert Classic on the European Tour and also the Farmers Insurance Open and the return of Tiger Woods next week to the PJ Tour. See you later. Goodbye.